Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to Talking Wealth, the show where the Wealth Within team are on hand to teach you how to become a more confident, competent, and more importantly, profitable trader or investor. Wealth Within was voted number three for stock market podcasts globally in 2018, so I hope you enjoy listening. We cover topics from trading to investing, as well as wealth creation to ensure you can achieve your financial goals. Because as we always say, lifestyle matters. As a global leader in stock market education, you can fast track your journey towards financial freedom by studying with Wealth Within. If you'd like more information about our government accredited courses or to watch more analysis of the stocks in this podcast, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the market report videos under the Learning Center. Please note that the information in this podcast should not be considered personal financial advice. Hello and welcome to this week's Australian Stock Market Report. Now this week we're going to be looking at why buying cheap stocks is not the same as buying low and selling high. I'll also share with you my thoughts on the Australian stock market, where it's heading, along with answering your questions and looking at stocks for you. Hello, I'm Dale Gillam, Chief Analyst here at Wealth Within, and we're Australia's most trusted stock market educators. Now before we move on, thank you for showing your support for our channel and hitting that subscribe button. Now as you subscribe, remember to click the bell on the right of it so you keep up to date with our latest videos. Also tune in to our live Australian stock market show every Tuesday, 7 to 8 p.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time. Now this is the show where you get to ask us, the stock market education and trading experts, to look at your favourite stocks and answer all of your questions. Now there's a common mantra in the share market for those looking to profit and that is to buy low and sell high. Now whilst intellectually this seems quite reasonable, it's not as easy as many would have you believe. On a weekly basis I'm asked whether a particular stock is cheap enough to buy right now. However buying low and selling high has nothing to do with whether a stock is perceived to be cheap. If we look at the history of Telstra, many people bought into the stock as it fell away for more than 10 years and over 70%. So why did they do that? Well time and time again when I asked people why they bought the stock, they told me they bought it because they believed it was cheap, only for it to continue to fall and so became cheaper. We've also seen AMP getting cheaper every year for the past 20 years. And like Telstra, investors have continued to buy the stock in the hope of grabbing a bargain, only to continue to lose. Buying low, however, is not about finding stocks that are still falling in value. Rather, it is about finding undervalued stocks that have stopped falling and are starting to rise. Take a moment to ponder on what I've just said, as it is this distinction that is one of the deciding factors between a profitable and an unprofitable investor. So where can you find value? Well, in short, regardless of whether the market is rising or falling, there will always be opportunities to purchase shares, although you do need to be patient. Looking at the top 100 shares on the Australian market this calendar year, around 20% have fallen, despite the All Ordinaries Index being bullish this year. That said, some of these stocks will do very well into 2020 if you do a little bit of homework. 
For example, Telstra fell into a low of $2.60 in June 2018 and has since risen over 40% over the past 18 months and 29% this calendar year, excluding dividends. Fortescue was also down around 14% in 2018 and has risen 138% so far this calendar year. Right now, a number of companies in the top 100 stocks have fallen this calendar year, and they include South32, Link, Incitec Pivot, ComputerShare, Centre Group, and AGL, amongst others. And there is potential that these stocks may become the best performers into 2020. So now is the time to do your research, put some rules in place, and wait for the stocks to stop falling and start rising, so you can buy when the opportunity rises. By doing this, you'll be less tempted to buy cheap stocks and instead be focused on buying undervalued ones that are low in price. So what were the best and worst performing sectors in the Australian market last week? Well, with the market falling earlier in the week, all sectors were in the red, although those that performed the best include healthcare, which was down 1.3%. Industrials, materials and financials were all down around 1.8%, with utilities not far behind. Now, the worst performing sectors so far for last week include consumer staples, which was down over 4%, whilst communication services was down 2.7%, and consumer discretionary was down 2.4%, with information technology only slightly behind. The best performing stocks in the ASX Top 100 last week include Blue Scope Steel, which was up over 3%, Northern Star up over 2.7%, with car sales, Nine Entertainment and Fortescue all up around 2%. At the other end of the scale, Whitehaven Coal was down around 16%, Borrow was down over 10%, whilst Treasury Wines was down over 8%. So what do I expect in the market moving forward? Well, let's get into the charts of our S&P 500, All Ordinary's Index update for this week. We'll also answer your questions and look at the stocks you've chosen for me. It wasn't last week an exciting week. I mean, earlier in the week, we saw the market fall, um, well, what a lot of people thought was quite heavily on the Monday. Fell away on the Tuesday, but I did get a few emails and a few comments um, in, uh, which we'll, uh, we'll talk about in a little bit once we get into the questions and everything else. But I did have a few people, not our students and not our uh, traders, but uh, people um, from the YouTube channel and our Facebook page asking questions about the market because when market does fall, people do get a little bit nervous. So let's go and have a quick look at the chart and see what actually happened last week. Now on the screen, we do have the, a weekly chart of the All Ordinaries Index. Now I've just added a couple of little things to it. This was always there, this blue area here, and that was the area it came down into. Um, but as I said, I did think uh, it, it, in hindsight, it's really great because as we got to this point, I was thinking, I think it was going to go lower uh, and come right down. And that's what I would have preferred for our market to come down lower, but it didn't do that. But if you remember back in my early reports, back sort of in August, mid-September, um, that sort of area, you did re you will remember that I said the market would peak somewhere in the start of this area and fall into um, somewhere in around that October, September, October, and it did. But I was then, once it got to that point, I was expecting a further fall, but it, that didn't happen. So sometimes we get it right, sometimes we don't get it right, sometimes we get it mostly right, sometimes we get it mostly wrong. But we get more times right, uh, then we can make a lot of money because nobody's ever going to make 100% predictions on the market and get it right. And I think anybody that tells you they do um, might be um, 
a little bit uh, telling a few little white lies to you. But all we can do at any one time is have a really good guess based on our knowledge and experience about where the market may go and how it may unfold. So let's have a look at what we're talking about now. Now, obviously, we've had that big move up through out there to make our new all-time high a few weeks back. Now, this is a uh, sorry a week uh, two weeks ago. This is our weekly chart here. So our all-time high now is as that is on your screen right now. And then last week we had this big pullback into this sort of blue area. So therefore what I'm suggesting or what I have been suggesting our next high is going to be somewhere around that January or into that sort of February part. If it's a little bit longer, it could go into that sort of March area and then come down into a low. But if if it does happen in January, February, uh, then we'll come into a low earlier. If it happens in February, March, then the low will happen a little bit later. But that's really what I'm expecting. And I do expect the high to be much higher than what it is right now. So currently, um, I'm looking at around 72 to 7,600 points, depending on how much it rises from this point. Now, if I use my little trend arrow tool, what I'm thinking is, is a move up. So there's 7,200 points up there and then come down into low. That's sort of what I'm thinking. Oh, I should have clicked again. Let me get out of here. Um, so that's what I'm thinking, but it could go a little bit higher and we can see up to 7,600 points there. So it could go a little bit higher, but if it does a nice steady rise, it'll be somewhere between 72, 7,600 points. Um, and depending on where that high happens is where the low will happen. But right now, I really do think our market is bullish and there's nothing to be worried about. But let's go and have a look at that uh, daily chart that people have a look at it that tend to panic. Now, if you look over here on the daily chart, and you can see this is Monday, uh, and a nice big fall, sorry, Tuesday. Uh, that was Monday, that was Tuesday's fall, Wednesday's fall, and then the last two days it came right back up. And days like this tend to annoy people, or sorry, have them see them become emotional about it, uh, about where the market's heading and it crashing. But we also had two big days down through here. And if you go back through to August, here's another one. There's another couple of days down through here. So here we have, we've got August, we've got two big days. There's another huge big day there. There's a couple of big days here and a couple of big days there. This is not unusual, guys. Uh, and so if you continually look at the market on a daily basis, you'll continually need to have um, some pain relief, uh, basically, um, or something to settle your stomach. You really do need to understand that the market is volatile. Uh, it gets more volatile or less volatile, but it can be very volatile. And a 2% move in a day is nothing to be worried about, um, not even a 2.5% move in a day. If you get sustained moves over weeks and or by month, that's something a whole bit different ballgame. But one or two days down is not really, a big issue, especially with modern technology nowadays, shoving information around the world and, and Trump tweeting and the, the big end of town reacting to those things by pushing the market around to have people that are uneducated panic and make emotional decisions. But uh, as I said, just sit tight. The market's going bullish. We will make another new all-time high probably this year, moving up into 7,200 points and above. That's where I'm thinking at this point in time. So let's now go and look at the questions that you have for me for this week. Now, the first question I've got from, for today is from Brian81. He said, hi, guys. Um, could you have a look at PRN for me, please? They suffered or they recently suffered a terrorist attack on their people in Africa, which resulted in a price drop which in turn triggered my stop loss, still at a healthy profit. Uh, you've probably seen it 
um, all in your time. Yes, I have, matey. Um, how much does these uncontrolled one-off events affect companies in the long term? Um, they said the financial effects are non-material and that uh, that they are doing well before, or they were doing well before that. So interesting question. To me, I can't predict volatility. Nobody can, and nobody can predict events. And I know um, I was doing something like this the other day, uh, last week, I was doing um, a recording on QBE. Uh, for my students, um, and I was doing some analysis on it for our diploma and advanced diploma students, um, and our trading mentor students, actually. I was doing that for them, and I was just sharing with them. I used to trade QB all the time, and, and I was sharing with them a similar type of an event when it was back in 2000, uh, uh, September 2011, uh, sorry, not 2011, 2001, um, 9 for the 9-11 crash, or sorry, the 9-11 buildings into the World Trade Center, that sort of period. And if you can go back to that period, you'll know that QBE fell out of bed after that, and it fell very, very heavily. I think it was like 50-odd percent it fell after that. Now, I was trading um, QBE right up into the peak just before that, and I exited, and I was on a plane flying to Perth. I was in the Qantas Club watching the planes hit buildings in the Qantas Club going, I'm getting on a plane to go to Perth, a nice four or four-hour flight. Oh, I wasn't too stressed about it because I was flying with Qantas and, you know, Australia is pretty safe. But the point I was, get, I was going to Perth to do a seminar a couple of days later. And obviously by that time, QB had fallen out of bed and somebody um, in the audience who wasn't, it wasn't for students, it was more of a public seminar that I was doing at the time. Uh, and people said to me, well, your stuff wouldn't have picked QBE falling out of bed and I went well let's go and I knew I'd already sold it weeks earlier um, and I just did some trend lines on it like I teach in my book and some basic stuff and I think I found four different rules that we use or what we teach in our course that would have had you exited way before that that issue happened now could I predict that what happened in New York that day absolutely not and same as you couldn't have predicted a terrorist attack um, on that company or that area that uh, you're talking about here, Brian, but to me, it, you can't predict those things. All you can do is have rules in place to protect yourself. That if something happens and affects the share price, it goes up or down, then you have a rule or a strategy around that. Now, as you said, it triggered your stop loss. That's all you can do. And as long as you stick to your stop loss, that's fantastic. As long as it's not too tight, the see you exit too early. But let's have a quick look at the, the stock in question. But that's sort of my little answer there to your question there. But looking at the stock here, we can see it's, it's quite nice, actually. It's it's looking quite nice. That was the big fall I'm assuming you're talking about, uh, or I'm possibly because I didn't even look. I don't didn't look at the news on this company, and you said it triggered your stop loss. So I'm not sure where you. If you're saying it's in a profit, to me I think your stop loss is probably a little bit too tight. Um, it, that would be my guess at this point in time. But look, you know that's that recent high there back in January 2018, big dip. So is it on a new uptrend? It's just coming back to the normal angle that it has, and that's really what I see. Often that's all you'll see on these sorts of things and don't get too worried about it whilst it's a devastating an event for the people that were involved in it the stock price will tell you exactly what the big end of town are doing and it's just running on its nice angle again and that's pretty nice to me i would just use a trend line up underneath this um, and manage it on that one right now it's not a highly liquid stock i don't think it was 25 million shares that's not too bad actually isn't it um, it's quite good 
I thought it wasn't as liquid as I thought. There's another 25 million shares, so it does look pretty good. But right now, I wouldn't be too worried about it. it looks like it's holding up. It's just looked like its momentum's gone back to where it was before. Um, I wouldn't necessarily buy into it nowadays, um, but I would just look at it for a little bit longer. And if it does show some more strength, then start to look at whether you enter back into this stock for the more medium to longer term. But great question. Thanks, matey. Uh, the next question we got is from Ballarat eBikes. He said, hi, guys, I've been holding CCX for 12 weeks um, and wondering what your thoughts on holding for another three months might be. Um, it looks like it might be forming a wedge with higher lows and heading for a breakout. Uh, can you please tell me your thoughts? Uh, let me know your thoughts. Thanks for all the videos. I love them. Thanks very much, uh, matey. Um, really, let's have a look at the stock right now at CCX. Um, so looking at that, he said he's been holding for 12 weeks. So if we go back to, probably let me go here. Where's my... Oh, I can't see it there. Where we go? Can't see it. So he's probably been holding it. So there's probably about 12 weeks, somewhere around it. He didn't just run up at this point in time. It's not falling, find, finding a wedge. I don't, I disagree with you on that kind of thing. It's not doing that pattern. It's a whole different pattern than what you're seeing here. It's completely different. Right now, I is it going to go up for the next 12 weeks? I can't tell you that because for me to do that, I'm going to have to do a lot of work on this stock. And right now, I just see it looks a little bit more bearish. Um, it did come back the last probably day or so of Friday, looking like holding up around here. But I'd say if it didn't go above that high there, that $2.64, if it doesn't go over that high in the next few days, it's probably going to go south. So I would be a little bit more worried about it going south more so than going north. Um, it, it stocks move from consolidation to dis, the disequilibrium back into consolidation. So equilibrium to disequilibrium, that's what they do. But right now, um, I would disagree with it's doing a pattern. Um, but look, looking all right, I just think it's come back to its normal momentum. That's really what it's doing. But good question. Um, but as I said, I'm not going to tell you, or I can't tell you right now, unless I do a lot of work on it, of whether you should hold it for another 12 weeks. It does, it's not something really simple for me to do quite quickly. The next question I've got is from Frankie M. He says, hi, Dale. Uh, what do you think about Stockland or SGP? Has been an uptrend in 2019. Has just broken short-term resistance of $5 recently. How much further could this go? Well, how, how much is a piece or how long is a piece of string made? So that's really what it's about. To me, it's, it's, it's probably... I'm gonna, I was going to say that's a dumb question, but it's not a dumb question. It's a question that it's irrelevant, I suppose, is a better way. It doesn't matter how far it can go. Just hang on to it till it tells you it's not going to go anymore. And that's where a lot of people make this thing. They get into this stock or they go, oh, I'm buying it at $1. You know, can it go to $2 or can it go to $3? Well, it can go to $100. Any stock could do that. So it's about holding from the low and going to the high and waiting for that and having rules around that. So putting any ceiling, if I said to you, yeah, I think it can go to $10 or $5 or $6 or whatever that price is, then you get that stuck in your mind going, well, Dale said it's going to go to that price, so it will go to that price, and I'm never going to do that for you. It could go to different levels, yes, but the thing is you need to have rules around it to say, well, don't care, oh, well, put it this way, nobody's ever rung me and said, Dale, I'm worried about this stock that's going up. Nobody, because you're making money, and that's the point. Only people ring me when it starts to go down and they go, Dale, how do I get out of this stock or what's the best price? Will it go back up to where I paid for it or will it go back up to these levels? That's what people do because they're seeing the stock fall away and they're losing money or losing profit. Right now, let the upside take care of itself. 
take care of the downside, have rules around that. So let's have a quick look at the stock. So Stockland here, um, short term resistance, I think you're just talking a bit about that. That's nothing major there, but it looks pretty good to me. Uh, it looks very, very nice. Looking at the monthly chart, it's got heavier resistance through here on the monthly chart that you can see here, that sort of level there, that's the more heavier resistance. I think once it breaks through that, it's fine. It looks pretty good. Um, it's sitting around that sort of, you know, what is it there, five, uh, 505 it closed out. So I think it's quite, quite nice actually. I, I do like this stock, so I don't think there's anything to be worried about it. Just have a stop loss under it, maybe whether that's a trend line or some or other time a form of trailing stop losses, just do that. The next question I've got, um, or this question really, uh, is about what happened last Monday and it was for somebody called My Small Box. Um, he, he basically, the comment said, market crashed today. And that was from last Tuesday, sorry, not Monday, um, last Tuesday. I keep saying Monday for some reason, I don't know why, but last Tuesday, the market fell away um, 2%. And, and as I said to, to this person, one day doesn't make a sheep station, one day is not a crash, 2% is definitely not a crash. A crash is 25% plus. That's what a crash is. And it's no, no markets ever crash 25% ever in a day. This does not happen. Uh, generally, the markets are already falling away before you have those big days. If you go and study market crashes like 1987, uh, 1929, you go and study those big crashes, even the GFC, the market was already telling us it was bearish before it had those big, big days. So that's sort of what I was saying a little bit earlier is you're getting people that don't understand the market making emotional decisions thinking they understand what's going on if you uh, there on tuesday and you thought the market was crashing and you were stressed about the market that tells you it's a huge signal to you to say that you don't know enough and you don't understand the market and you really do need to get my book accelerate your wealth because it'll help you get a lot more peace of mind and a lot less emotional um, and also help you make much much better decisions about what you're doing so you make far more money i mean i'm getting lots of emails from people who bought my first book and my second book telling me how much money they're making nowadays because they've got better rules around it. They don't panic anymore. But uh, but thanks for the, uh, the comment anyway. Always feel free to put your comments on there. But thanks for sending in your questions like, uh, or for those people who did send in the questions and thanks for watching till the end of the video. It's nice to know that you're still with me at the end of this video video but uh, if you do have any questions like those people would you, uh, just like to or that you would like me to answer i just got to stick to get my tongue untied so if you have questions you'd like me to answer just stick them below in that chat and we'll get to answering them so get your fingers on the keyboard and get typing now remember that here on this channel we do these monday market reports every week and we also do a live stream every tuesday night 7 to 8 p.m australian eastern daylight savings time and i'd love to have you on there on tuesday night so remember just hit that subscribe button now and click the bell on the right of it so you know when we upload videos and we go live but for now i'm dale gillam goodbye good luck and good trade thanks for listening this podcast is brought to you by wealth within a global leader in stock market education for more information on our courses or to listen to more talking wealth podcast head over to wealthwithin.com dot au and click on the talking wealth podcast under the learning center